At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What you know about the animal kingdom of backing something dangerous into a corner with no way out, you know what ends up happening, and that's the spot they have put Tony Ferguson. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of The Welcome. I got to tell you, on a human level, I am beginning to feel for Ian Gary. I don't really give a damn about the book, never did. Don't really give a damn about the call-outs and the back and forth, never did. The pressure that he's under, I don't like that word. I don't find myself as a person that's speaking about it. I know to personalize for my own career, I never said, oh, I didn't feel pressure. Or, I felt so much pressure. I, I don't use that word. It's not that it's not a real thing. I just don't find the topic interesting. I've seen other sports announcers go on. It didn't matter if it was a team sport or combat one-on-one like this. And they would always talk about pressure. Who was feeling the pressure? Who cares? In my opinion, maybe you care about it. I'm, I'm sharing with you, I don't. I expect you, right? If you're walking through and you're the big organization, you're taking up TV time and you're making all the money and this was your dream in the first place, I expect you to first off have pressure and second off be able to deal with the pressure. I will even hear debates, guys, which is like mind-numbingly painful for me, but if you ever listen to sports guys, sports announcers, then you're into mind-numbingly painful conversations. It's the kind of thing that you would like if you're the kind of guy that likes that kind of a thing. Jim Cornette. Now, I will tell you this. I've even seen debates amongst the greats about who has the most pressure, and they will have it, and they will never say them, ever, ne- ever, ever does the guy, me, I've got the pressure. What the hell's this guy got to lose? He's a bum. Nobody expects anything of him. I'll never hear that. They always make the argument that he has more pressure. Not that it doesn't exist, and not that I don't have it on my shoulders, but he has more And to this day, I haven't the foggiest idea why that's an interesting debate, why it matters, or why you would contend it in the first place. I don't deny that it exists. So my first time ever, when I speak to you that I feel for Gary because of this very thing of pressure, it comes from a situation where there is a lot on a young man. Right. You're always fighting to protect what it is you've got, whatever that might be. And fighting is unlike other sports in that every time you go out there, you're all in. All of it. No discussion. You don't do a non-title match, for example. You don't do an exhibition match, for example. You don't do a side tournament, for example, to get a little experience before the big one. But you do get to in other sports. If you're an Olympic champion, the next time you go to compete, the Olympic championship is not on the line. If you show up as the Olympic champion and you get beat, 
you remain the Olympic champions. Just for example, if you win the Super Bowl, the next time you go and play, regardless of the outcome, you are still the Super Bowl champion. It doesn't have a lineage and it doesn't pass. And it is unique to fighting. There is a unique thing. So Ian Gear, when you're protecting what it is you have, first off, he's got a ranking, but he's also got an undefeated record. Right? I mean, he's got things that he's out there trying to protect. And then that always becomes a struggle, right? Trying to protect and trying to defend. Then, then you start going down this road. And I realize you're splitting hair, but this is a game of inches. We, we can all understand that. There's a significant difference, no matter how slight, but it's slight enough to determine outcome. Significant difference in fighting to win versus fighting not to lose. So when you look at Gary's spot, he is definitely on a fast track for a championship opportunity. I haven't seen anything out of the guy that tells me he can't be champion, right? But before you can be champion, you got to be able to get that opportunity. And... There's a number of scenarios. He would need Leon to win. He would never. There's a number of scenarios. Some things that kind of have to come together where this is the last one. This is the one before he fights for a bell. I don't predict that. I don't need to hear your arguments back and forth. And I realize Lahal Muhammad's got it secured. But I am sharing for you that he, he is on a real fast track. And that isn't true for Luke. Luke could go stop Gary in five seconds. He, he could have the most beautiful. Finish of the night. There's not a scenario where a win gets Luke a, a title shot or even puts him in that small conversation. But make no mistake, Luke is the hardest opponent that Gary's ever faced. Not just ranking-wise, not just career and experience-wise. Gary has a unique style. And it's not wildly unseen like, say, a Wonder Boy Thompson where nobody else do it, it's just him. But, but he does have some intricacies that are unique to him and that work because of him. Gary has an ability to faint, to faint and get a reaction from his opponent before every single attack that are unique. He will do some things that other guys don't do. And I bring this to you because you can deal with those guys. Like, that's a massive leg up. It's a massive advantage. You can deal with guys like that if you can get a rematch. If you get three cracks at them. If you can feel them a few times. And Luke's getting the rematch. He's getting the rematch on top of the rematch, on top of the rematch, on top of the rematch. He's felt them those few times. He's felt those intricacies. He knows exactly what I'm speaking about because he was his training partner. It, it really changes an atmosphere. I had a teammate, I say this to praise my teammate, I hope it comes out this way, his name was Matt Horwich. And Matt Horwich was close to unbeatable. I mean, I, I don't know of a round that he won, but I don't know of a fight that he lost when he got on his, on his run. He became the champion. It's an organization that used to exist. He was the world champion, had the belt, had the whole bit. But listen to what I just said, right? But it's a bit of a riddle. I never saw Horwich win a round, and I never saw him lose a fight. If, if they were in the third round, he was down by two. If they were in the second round, he was down by one. And he would finish them all. He would tap out everybody. And 
to the point that he was a world champion. That guys didn't want to fight him. Guys that did have to fight him knew they were about to go get beat up. It was one of these things. But if you came in the practice room, 185 pounds, if he was the fourth 85-pounder, there would be three guys in there that could beat him. I'm not attempting to lift them or attempting to demote Matt. What I'm speaking about is it was a very good example for me that Matt had a trick. And if you knew what the trick was, then you could deal with it. But if you didn't know what the trick was because you'd never seen it before, you'd never felt it before, you didn't do enough studying the tape, not only was he a problem, he was the champion. This is a very special. And if he get his teammates to keep their mouths shut and not give the secret away, he'd go on and beat everybody. And I know a lot of Matt Horwiches. I know a lot of guys that were the JV or even the JV backup within a college room. Could not win the wrestle-off, couldn't get the spot, couldn't be put on the mat. But if you went to an open tournament where anybody could come and they'd win the whole thing and have the whole country go, my God, he's the best. How am I going to deal with him? All of a sudden you go, well, you're not going to have to deal with him because he's not a starter. you got to deal with this guy who you know quite well. And the reason for that is he had these tricks that weren't seen enough. But the teammates knew him. It's a very hard spot for Gary. The X's and O's are a very hard spot. There's a number of things that he's dealing with. But what rides on this match is all of the drama leading into it. The book, the Amazon, the, the back and forth, the middleweight champion, everything will change with a loss. That will have been the distraction. That will have been the problem. That will have been, ha ha, I told you so wrong people. I mean, it, it, it's going to be one of those spots where the necessity to win is at a height like no other fight on that card. And there's two people that are fighting for world championships. There's one veteran fighting for his career. There's one guy that's finished all of his opponents with the greatest record in MMA that is on an all-out mission to make sure somebody knows what his name is. I mean, like, like everybody's fighting for something. And nobody is going to have the consequence, including the gentleman who, if he loses, career is over. Nobody is going to have the same consequences in defeat as Gary. And I must tell you, I appreciate it. I respect it. It has me curious to see what will happen. It is one of the ultimate tests. If he passes this test, there's unlikely to be one down the road where I'm going to have a question mark. I will know that he has what it takes to set certain things aside and focus on the task at hand. But on a human level, to be fair, I do feel for it. Odds over at DraftKings right now. Leon Edwards is a slight favorite to Colby Covington. It's very close to even money, right? It's plus 125 to minus uh, 105. For everyday language, that's a bit of a push, and that feels right to me. That is an extremely hard fight to pick, particularly if you're parting with your money. And like, like so many fights, there's always a question. And the better, we always go back 
to their last fight. There, there's a reason that the expression was ever created in this industry, but remains true to this day, which is you're only as good as your last fight. This is not a sport based on reality and or skill. It is a sport based on nothing other than perception, right? So when you're as good as your last fight, you're as good as people perceive you to be and they remember the last thing in their minds. The reason I bring that up because it's so relevant here when we always have questions going in, I know that Colby has wanted to fight, and I know that Colby was prepared to the point of ready to compete at the same day and time as Leon was last prepared to the point that he was ready and did compete. Now, I'm taking you guys back earlier this year in March. Colby, trilogy fight, opposite Usman. Colby comes in one day before this gets revealed to the audience. One day before we find out at weigh-ins, Colby's the backup fighter. He's in England. He's on site. He is licensed and he's on weight. So, all right, let's call this a push. In terms of preparation, let's call it a push. They were both ready to compete. One of them did, the other one was ready to. Great. I do know from firsthand knowledge, just a personal relationship with Colby, that he has stayed ready. He has stayed prepared. He tried and lobbied and thought perhaps this fight was going to happen sooner. It ended up getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, but he, he was prepared, professional, healthy, good luck, all the things that you need. I can tell you firsthand that that was the spot that Colby's in, and now here we are. I don't know where Leon has been. I've wondered, and I, I don't hint or suggest for you, but I will tell you, I've wondered, where has he been? If if Colby wants to do the fight, if that's the fight that we're going to do, if the, if the promotion has said that's the fight we're going to do, like, like, nothing can change. At some point in your life, this is what you're going to do. But it's kind of important because that's how you get paid. Like, what difference does it make? If I have to do the same thing, good, bad, or indifferent, but if I have to do it, I can't think of a situation where I would rather that was five years from now as opposed to now so I can move on and have an opportunity to make some money doing something else. I never read where Leon was sick, and I never read where Leon was hurt, but I've wondered. I just wonder, what did delay this? It doesn't mean it has to do anything to do with Leon. It could definitely have to do with the promotion, but the way I remember it and the timeline that played out. So now I'm looking over at DraftKings, and I'm wondering how much have they factored this into it. Like, you will have guys that return, and ring rust is real. You will see performances from athletes you've never seen before. You're stunned when you see it. Whoa, that guy's terrible. He comes back a couple months later. He looks great again. And you'll have that, that ring rust that's very real and that, that'll always get identified. And a guy will fail that test or pass the test when there's an announcement that he's left that traditionally we'd be done through a suspension or a retirement, traditionally. And I wonder 
how odds makers and DraftKings specifically would take that into account. And I bring you that example because while traditionally comebacks are done after a suspension or retirement, but always after some kind of announcement, I've seen guys have comeback fights after four minutes, uh, four months gone. I watched Tyson Fury tell us during a fight, I will never fight again. Leading into the fight, he had to, was it 90,000 people show up? And he had his retirement fight. He announced, I am done. I am gone. And by the time we see him again, he not only has a fight, he's got two. But they still talked about it. It was a comeback fight. Just because that announcement had happened. And I'm, I'm drawing you that distinction because if you can have a comeback fight simply because an announcement happened, it doesn't mean you can't have a return fight in the absence of the announcement. And when you have a guy that's 18, he's 23, he's 26, these things don't matter. When you have a guy who's over 30, right? Every fighter that gets old, gets old overnight. You just don't know when that night came. So now when all of a sudden you're taking eight month breaks, even in the absence of an announcement, you're still dealing with a comeback fight. So when I look at this and I see that it's even money, I'm wondering if any of that is taken into account. And this wasn't meant, by the way, to give a bump to Leon. Well, you guys know my personal relationship with Colby. I will extend that to Colby, who had his last fight with George Masvidal, and I was at it, and it doesn't feel like that long ago. But the truth was, it was multiple Masvidal fights ago to the point that Masvidal's even retired from the sport. And that wasn't just yesterday. It's been a couple of years. Colby's had one fight in a couple of years. So for guys that live the right life and they train the right way and they're ready to go, whether they had that chance or not, these comebacks don't affect them. They're not the same thing. It's not just a physicality. It's a mentality. Where were you? Where was your motivation? Did you have the eye of the tiger? I don't suggest for you that Leon did it. I'm just suggesting for you that I have personally wondered. The fight was announced. We knew it was Colby Leon. Colby tried to get that fight to happen, went to the media, started doing the work, tried to get the fight to happen. Leon went to the same media and said he wasn't going to do the fight and even pushed for a different opponent, which was Bahal Muhammad. Now, that was very early. If our, if our jumping off point is March, which is where Leon became available, meaning he's done with Kamar Usman, if that's our jumping off point, everything that I just told you is done by May. But either way, for that month of April, Leon did spend it trying to not fight Colby. So when that fight got delayed, I have always wondered, was it behind the scenes and he pushed back and finally things have come to a head and this is the only match? Is it nothing to do with that? The UFC was looking for venues and looking for the right dates, and that's the only thing that's delayed. I don't have evidence that it's not. I'm sharing with you that I have wondered. And when I look at DraftKings and I see a plus 125 to a negative 105, we have two athletes who have weaponized pace. We have two athletes who have had belts. One of them still got one. The other one had it, never lost it, and one day just didn't have it. You have two athletes that have a common opponent. You have two athletes that don't like each other. But you have one athlete with a home country advantage and 
you have a history within a sport when a great wrestler takes on a guy who's never had a wrestling match. Like, we have a history within this sport. But we've recently found out from the Pierras and the Adesanyas of the world, just for example, that that history was long ago. And we're living in a different time. And when I see DraftKings have Leon and Colby plus 125 to minus 105, which is basically a draw, you know what? I see it the same way DraftKings does. Ferguson, who do you got? And I want, I want you to think on that, right? Generally a rhetorical question, but actually think of it. Actually, who do you got in that? You got Patty, you got Tony. Who do you think the favorite is, if you were just to guess? All right, now, now that you've got it, you, you know who you're picking, and you know who the favorite is, which isn't always the same thing, right? A lot of times you know who the favorite is, and you're like, no, it's a gotcha moment, because I... But I'm just wondering, if you have both of those, what do you think the spread is? Because the official spread has surprised me. Think about two to one for Patty. It's stronger than that, It's but you're looking at about two to one for Patty. And this is according to DraftKings, the industry leader. Why? Is that a respect factor? Is there a respect being shown to Tony? So Patty is the favorite. You knew Patty was the favorite. He's always been the favorite. We expect him to be the favorite. Like all of those statements are true. But if you were to quantify something with numbers, which is what DraftKings does, DraftKings doesn't just go over there and run their mouth. They put numbers next to it, which translate into dollars. Dollars are pretty important numbers, can we agree? So when, when you have a situation like that, and you're talking about quantifiable evidence, what is that you see in the favor of Patty the Batty? And I'm not challenging you. You bet on whoever you want, but it does seem like the underdog bet of the century. If I'm doing everything by the numbers... Should I start with wins and see who's got more of those? Should I default to losses and see who's got more of those? Should I look at overall experience? Should I talk about times in the organization? Should I talk about times on TV? Should I talk about times on pay-per-view? Is there, is there anything else? I mean, feel, feel free to throw them out. How many people you knock down? How many people you take down? How many people you punch in the mouth? How many people you lay kicked? I mean, I'm, I'm just making things up now, but is there any number that you see there that doesn't favor Tony Ferguson? who, according to DraftKings, is going to lose. They're over two to one sure of it. I'm just asking the question. I, I, I get that what have you done for me lately matters. I'm not in this talk right now picking Tony Ferguson. I'm just asking you a question of when you look at it, do you start to see where this can be very compelling? And if you're going to bring up recent history, like when I tell you that their records are vastly different and Tony's beating up more people and has less loss, I mean, when, when I start playing this game and you go, Chael, stop everything. Let's not look at a body of work. Let's look at what we're going to predict is going to happen based on what recently has happened. I will see your point on that. But if we're just a couple of guys arguing here, just doing this for conversation and Nothing more. If you're going to reduce this down to recently, so therefore top rankings of Tony and therefore victories of Tony and therefore knockouts and of the nights and number one contenderships and headlining acts of Tony don't become part of it, which you certainly would have the right to do as a better. But if you're going to do that and we're debating, 
then I will see your recency claim and I'll ask you where Patty's been. Patty versus Gordon was over a year ago, guys. I don't know exactly what it was, but I do know it was over a year ago. Off the top of my head, it was November of last year. I remember that night specifically we had, for time perspective, that was Nate Diaz's last fight within the UFC. I mean, I, th- I feel like that'll bring back some nostalgia, right? If you're looking at DraftKings numbers and, and you're trying to figure out how they came to them, it feels like it was a while ago since we saw Nate fight in the UFC, and you're right. And he's moved on and done other things since, right? It was enough time for all of those things to happen. It was the same night that Patty fought last. And you might remember there was a, there was a judging controversy. Many people thought that Patty had lost the fight. There was even a judge that was blamed for it, who saw it the same way as other judges, but then he wasn't able to judge him. And I'm just sharing for you, like, I remember that night very well. And it was a while ago, and Patty's been out, and he's returning. And we know that his weight can bounce. So if you're arguing things to the short term, well, in the short term, Patty's had what most people believed was a loss. He then had a surgery. And he openly shares with us that his weight moves. And the weight moving is very relevant because it speaks to how hard somebody's training. Like, you don't get to just lose weight or gain weight, right? If we all did, we'd have no fat and we'd all be muscle. Like, you don't get to just choose that. You don't, you don't stop by the donut buffet and all of a sudden you're one way or the other. It's, it's not like that. It's accumulative and you either took in more calories than you burned or you didn't. I mean, I bring that to you because when Patty's weight goes up, it does strike me as, okay, that's not somebody that's in the gym. Or if he is, he's at least not training at a level where he could step in and compete at any time. And you can only play that yo-yo game for so long. It will bite you in the ass 100% of the time. It's just a matter of at what time. So I don't give Patty a hard time. I make that suggestion for you because if you commingle that with the fact that it's now not a choice. See, that's the difference with the injury. I hope you're staying with me on that. Patty's yo-yoing weight would speak in Lind to prove that he's not burning enough calories, but that's when it was a choice. Once you have an injury and you dealt with a surgery to your leg, going to practice is no longer even a choice. So how long has he been back? If you take a period of time off, you go back to the gym, you go through what would normally be a training camp to be ready to fight. You go through a training camp and and where you're at physically, it gets you in position to then go into training camp. I know a number of guys that have done that. That didn't train because they used to have to go through a camp just to graduate them to be able to do the work that the trainer was going to ask them to go through a camp. I don't know that Patty's in that situation. I don't have a ton of information on it. It's kind of a well-kept secret. But I do know in the short term, Tony Ferguson's gone through multiple camps. and He's had multiple fights. He's had multiple weigh-ins. He's had multiple times of experience. And regardless of how he worked, he still did it. He still had that preparation. I would think that that would be a benefit. So I think when I go over and I look at our our, our experts at DraftKings that have, I mean, when I tell you it's two to one, guys, I'm, I, I'm speaking very loosely. It, it, it approached three to one at one point, and then it came back down. Pat is at about two and a half. And if you're sure, Tony's done. 
You saw his last fight, and it's just the short term that matters. More power to you. You could be right. But when you consider the injury, you consider what you know about the weight gain, and you understand the injury knowing that preparation and practice were not even an option. You realize that you're in a different spot, and you realize whether it was advertised or not, you're dealing with a comeback fight. So you got one athlete who's in a comeback fight. That's a young, fresh spirit. That's a young, fresh attitude. You have another athlete who is fighting for his career, of which will come to an abrupt end, which is not what he wants. It is what he desperately does not want. And if you just saw that, what you know about the animal kingdom of backing something dangerous into a corner with no way out, you know what ends up happening. And that's the spot they have put Tony Ferguson, who DraftKings says is a two and a half to one underdog. I just want to bring it to your attention. I want to see what you thought. And I would ask you, is this the underdog bet of the year? Like how do you how do you make that happen? If you're a promoter and you want to do a great job with promotion, how do you create a star? Have we had promoters create stars? Is that even a thing? Do you create an environment and put people out there, and then the, the crowd decides, and then your job is to actually just bring the two best storylines together? That's generally how it's done. I will agree with that. But the question at hand is a very fun one. I made a piece a couple of days ago. I was given great praise. I was called by two executives of two different MMA companies over the theory and the idea that had to do with there's more important things than having the best fighters. And I was asked to elaborate on that, and I did in a private manner, but I also didn't know it was fascinating. I didn't know that they would be interested in it. I didn't know you guys would find that interesting. But historically within fighting, is a very fun thing to look back and to understand. People used to have to have a very good fighter in their village as part of their tribe. It was very important you had a good fighter because if others came in that could fight better, they would take your village, they would take your life. It was a very, very big deal. And over time, as we became more civilized and we started to have policing, we started to have laws, and there began to become a surplus in food, that didn't happen as much. And fighting became less important to the point where we now have sport fighting like we have today, where if you lose, you're going to have a little bit of money and a little bit of prestige taken away from you. And that is a vastly different thing. And at some point along the journey, around the turn of the 1900s, as a matter of fact, a guy threw a belt out there. It used to always be for belts. There was a period of nothing. And they gave the medals a try. They went to trophies. There's been certificates. There's been extra large checks. There's been a number of things. And belt seemed to work the most. But the question still comes is, what are you fighting for now? I do not care for professional wrestling. I hear from you guys constantly that he's a big pro wrestling fan. I don't care for it enough that I'm taking the time to let you know I don't care for it. But when you saw a cage match back when pro wrestling was a thing, it was a bigger deal, wasn't it? 
What about if you saw a hair match? Did you ever see one of those? Two guys would wrestle and the loser would get his head shaved. Do you remember that? And it would draw. This would be a main event. People would be talking about it. This is what the crowd came to see. You ever seen a loser leave town match? Two guys are going to wrestle. Whoever gets pinned, one, two, three, boom, he's at her. He's got no way to make a living. He's going to leave. He's going to leave the industry for a period of and then fill in the blanks. Muhammad Ali even had a fight one time. It was out of the country. And he said, if I lose to this guy, I'll fly home tomorrow. I mean, like, there's there's things. What do you call those? Why do you think that those happen? Why do you think those work? Now, as I give a pause and you smart marks that are following along as Professor Chao leads class, you're going to say they're called gimmicks. And they are called gimmicks, but why do they work was the question. They work because of the stakes. So somebody figured out, since we're not actually fighting here, we're not fighting by the terms that people used to have to fight for. And it's not as important and it doesn't mean what it used to mean. But I have got athletes, I'm one of them, that stopped everything in life that they were doing, put it on hold, would have given every worldly possession back to have this trinket that some promoter at one point threw out and told us was important called a belt. What promoters don't realize is how important stakes are. And you want the title to be the big one. Anywhere I bring my belt, anywhere I bring this title, any town that I go to, the people are going to line up. I'm going to fill the tent up. I'm going to sell all the popcorn and all the cups of beer. You want it to be that way, but it's not true. And a lot of times you can't get a title and you can't get a champion, at least not with any validity. So you'd like your main event to be able to draw and sell. Any town, any territory you want to go to, anywhere you want to drag, sell some tickets and put on an attraction. But it's not true. And those things can be helpful and you got to cap the night off and whoever goes last and you got to call it a main event, you got to put your attention somewhere and a poster is only so big and you can only put a couple of guys on there. There'd be no sense to put somebody that wasn't your main event. Like there's things that come with it, but grudge tramps all of them easily. Without question, grudge is bigger than title or main event, but you can't just manufacture that. So what do you do? How do you have the stakes? What do you believe is the most important fight ever? Why you say it has to be the two best fighters. It has to be the two best fighters. While you say that, and I ask you, if you're so smart on the sport, where do you think Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner rates? In terms of significance and importance, it was not for a title that I've had to hear was so coveted. It wasn't on pay-per-view. There wasn't a personal grudge that I keep telling you is so important, and it didn't involve the best fighters. But where do you believe that it rates in terms of significance? And it wasn't just the action. It wasn't just that it turned in to such a fun match. It had big stakes. Those guys were fighting for their career. They were fighting for a career. I had done a television show. The ratings were so bad, they canceled the entire series. And it was called The Apprentice. And they couldn't figure out. They thought it had just ran its course. This is what the executive said. It just ran its course. Let's just cancel it and never come back. And what they didn't understand then, and they don't understand now, so it had not ran its course, it didn't have stakes. In every other season, 
of this show called The Apprentice, somebody got a job, an actual career, an actual job, an actual mentorship, and they wanted it, they wanted it very badly, and the other people did not. And the one that I did was called Celebrity Apprentice, where it was just an attention, it was just a game. There was no job. There was no mentorship. There was no job site. There was no contract. And all of the people that lost go back to their drunken good times of lives because they were all famous and rich anyway. It lacked the stakes. So after Forrest and Stefan got done, it was a very good feel-good moment. You both get a contract. It was the right thing to do, and it was the right thing at that moment. And as much as we'd like to tell history that the reason there's never been a finale of an ultimate fighter that was as highly rated as that one is because it was the first, it was the best. As, as much as we want to rewrite history, there was no opportunity for any of them to outdraw because none of them had the same stakes. As soon as they both got a contract, it doesn't have the same stakes. It's why the hair match matters. Not, you think it's a big deal? You think, do you really think about yourself? I mean, do you really, I, I always tell fans, the worst person to ask what they want is the fan. The fan doesn't, he doesn't know what he wants. When you tuned in for a hair match for, for pressure wrestling, when that was an exciting and amazing moment, you're going, oh my God, and you're laughing. You've been to barber shops before. Did you do that? Did you do that with the guy in front of you? Did you show up early to the barber shop because it was so entertaining? Do you just like to see someone get their hair cut? No. It was the stakes. It mattered. Something was going to happen. Same with the loser leave town. They didn't, I, my car match out here in Oregon one time. Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Playboy Buddy Rose. Playboy had a pink Cadillac. Piper pinned it one, two, three. Piper took his car. Actually drove it around Portland. They had to do a, a rematch just so we could get his car back. But it had stakes. Those kinds of things are interesting. So, so what will you do? There was a belief once upon a time. And uh, beliefs are fine. Everything starts with a theory. You do an experiment. You make a bet. But there was a belief that if you could pay enough money on a card, if you could pay somebody enough money, that in and of itself would bring in the attention. The media would come, people would tune in. It's like watching somebody win the lottery. It'd be this amazing thing. There was an effort made on a battleship. They were actually going to call it battleship. They, 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 and the fight was going to be on a battleship. So it was sovereign territory. So they'd come up with their own rules. And they were going to pay $1 billion. I mean, it's one of these things where you just, you roll your eyes and just go, how do you possibly think you're going to get that back? How do you think you're going to recoup that? Moreover, how is the guy that wins that and risks everything to go on your little ship so you can do sovereign water, break laws that were on the land, so you're going to go on this boat? How is that guy going to get paid a billion dollars? Where would that money possibly come from? The promoter was so sure it would bring it in, right? I mean, just really stupid ideas, but we have these all the time. And if you have this, this great idea that I'm going to give a billion dollars, if you have that and then you pull off the event and you give somebody the billion dollars, but it didn't bring the media and it didn't bring the attention, would you do it again? And again and again, would you keep on doing it? At first it was an experiment, fine, everything is, but, but now it's not. You have your answer. And why is that not working? Why is that not clever? It sure seems like it is. It sure seems headline worthy. Well, you'd be looking in the wrong direction. There's still no stakes. There's still no stakes. If you were to give a guy a billion dollars and he had the most beautiful show and it was what every fighter dreamed to be and you gave that to him and you wanted the attention, you have to make it very clear to the audience and to the rest of the guys, you will be released. 
if you come through this process, I'm going to pay you to show. I'm going to take good care of your market value. I'm going to pay you to win. Quarterfinal, semifinal, how, however, however we're going to do it. Should you win, there's going to be a bonus on top of everything else. Like, you're never going to be slighted. You're not taking a huge risk. But there is one risk. If you come through this and you don't make it, you're gone. And all of a sudden, you now have stakes. All of a sudden, the one thing that you missed, that you never knew was important, you never knew why they did the hair match. You thought you'd like to see somebody get shaved. But when Shale told you you've never gone to the barbershop and been all giddy, you thought, yeah, you're right. I guess I don't really care if people get their hair cut or not. And the one thing that Forrest and Bonner had, as much as you want to say it was two guys standing on their feet and they were banging on a Wednesday night on a network called Spike, as much as you want to say that and you want it to be true, the one thing that that fight had was stakes, a career, a contract. That's the one thing that's never been duplicated. The rewards have been given there, and rewards have even gotten bigger over time, and the prize has even gotten better and more important. But the failure did not. And if the failure is anywhere remotely close to the prize, right? You got two guys on level playing field. One guy goes up. You don't have anything. This guy can go up and he can go up and he can go up. You don't have anything. There's got to be a separation. And the one that didn't get it has got to go the other way, as tough as that might sound. Otherwise, you don't have stakes. Otherwise, you just have a celebrity apprentice type situation that gets pulled off the air with a room for executives that to this day have no idea why it didn't work. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you, as always, for the support. I can't tell you how much it means to me and the whole crew at Bad Guy Inc. As always, I'm going to have so much going on in the world of combat sports to get to on Friday. Guys, until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.